Wrestling with the Basics is made possible in part by a generous gift from Set Apart to Serve, the church work recruitment initiative of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Our churches are blessed to have pastors from all walks of life, formerly military veterans, engineers, entrepreneurs, or just regular Joes like Matt and me. Uh, Our Lord calls men from all backgrounds with a passion for the word and a heart for the gospel to be pastors. And and Matt, you know, as a retired guy, now I'm filling in for a lot of churches, and, and I realize, boy, there is a big, big need for pastors, Matt. Um, you know, as a retired guy, I can come in and preach one Sunday, but they need somebody to be there full time for them. So, so if you know anybody uh, that's been praying or thinking about a second career as a pastor, maybe you're thinking about that. Uh, the Set Apart to Serve team wants to help you put your experience and skills to use in pastoral ministry. Visit weareyourseminaries.org. That's weareyourseminaries.org. And now on with the show. We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. Pastor, Pastor uh, John Lekomsky, and I have with me another very fine pastor. Pastor Matt uh, Youngblood Clark from uh, Central Lutheran Church in South St. Louis. And uh, yeah, just, just want to emphasize what you said, John. You know, we are blessed tremendously by, by guys like you who, uh, you know, are, are retired and somewhat newly retired and, and still are willing to give you your time and energy to preach, to teach, to catechize, to fill vacancies and all sorts of things. I mean, uh, boy, I mean, that's that's so very important. So thank you, John, for um, getting up early on a Sunday morning <laughs> and, and going and preaching, and delivering the goods, right? Just sharing word and sacrament with God's people. And uh, and as, as wonderful as that is, um, I, I think we also recognize that, um, yeah, serving that vacancy role or, or just filling in for preaching, you know, that is a wonderful, blessed thing. But boy, you know, to really have that full-time pastor who's there a week in and week out, someone who um, you get to know and love and they love you and know you and you form those relationships, um, that's that's ideal, right? And and especially, you know, planning for outreach and things together. You, you got to have someone there long-term. Uh, so we, we do pray uh, to the Lord of the Harvest to raise up workers and uh, thank you for the, the set-apart-to-serve folks for, for helping to facilitate that and, and plant those seeds. And, and, and so two things in response to that, Matt. Number one, you're, you're absolutely right. Look, I'm a retired guy. If you want me to come and preach, at least have church at 1030. Really? Do we have to have it at 9 o'clock in the morning? Okay. So, and so no have, Easter sunrise services. John Lukomsky will not <laughs> right. be there. No, could get somebody else. Uh, but then, in a more serious vein, I know. Thank, thank you, because uh, that just what you said. That's what frustrates me. I, I can go and I can give a sermon, but I, I, I cannot do what really needs to be done. And so we need people. We need young people, people who can come and, and put their time in. So, yeah, seriously, again, anyone out there that's even even have a thought about it, really, really explore it. Because it's a great thing, isn't it, Matt? It's a great thing to be a pastor. You've enjoyed doing it, haven't you? Oh, yeah, most definitely. It's, uh, 
you know, what what a joy. You know, there's a, there's, there's some tough days, but there's other days where I'm like, I'm getting paid to do this? <laughs> to study God's word and, and the, dig deep into the scriptures and to teach people about Jesus? Yeah, this, this is a pretty good gig. Uh, and it, it is a joy. And, and, you know, one that really does truly have a, an eternal impact uh, in the, the lives of people. Yeah, it'll be so cool when we get up to heaven and all these people that we've ministered to, that we've prayed with, that we shared the gospel with. It'll be so cool to get up and see them all again. That's what I'm excited yeah. about because I had a lot yeah. of people I really loved in my parish uh, who left. Darn it, they left before I left. <laughs> but, but I'm looking forward to seeing them again. Um, so, by the way, you're not getting paid for this, Matt, <laughs> just to make that perfectly clear. <laughs> 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 so, uh, who's the greatest? That's what it says in the title of my Bible as we continue looking at the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 18. Uh, um, this text, so I, I got to preach on this text at yet another church, and, and I thought, my goodness, what were they thinking? You could have had like three or four sermons in, in Matthew 18, but they stuck it all together from the business about... Uh, uh, becoming like children to the business about temptations to sin. We even got the parable of the lost sheep. And then finally, uh, those, those great practical words about what to do if your brother sins against you. What, yes. what do you do? What, what do you do with this text? Because like I said, there, there's four sermons right there. Uh, uh, so how about you, Matt? Yeah, I, I think um, I think part of it is I think sometimes as preachers you just got to realize you cannot preach the entire text, right? Yeah. You cannot preach the entire pericope, the assigned reading in the lectionary all the time. And sometimes it's okay to say there's a lot of great stuff in this text that guess what? This is not making into the sermon this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that's okay to to choose your focus, and you know maybe less is better <laughs> in some respects. Uh, but you know, sometimes uh, sometimes you do find a common thread. Um, I think what's kind of interesting in this text is it's all prompted by a question: uh, the question, "Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?" Right? And then and then Jesus launches into this. So maybe maybe, and and we can see how this works. Maybe we could think through uh, this text through the lens of Jesus answering the question, "Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?" Um, and let's see. Let's see if that works. Um, okay. You know, so so if, let me add just a little twist to it, though. Okay. But because it's interesting that uh, I, I think for me when I've preached this in the past, I always jump to the end because this business about if your brother sins against you, that's just such oh. practical good stuff. Oh, uh, needed. Lynn, yeah. Lynn is a school principal. She used that all the time. People would come and they'd complain about somebody, and she'd say, "Well, let's." Let's practice Matthew 18 here. What should we be doing here? You know, I, I mean, you're yes. coming in and whining about somebody. Um, so, so, so here's the thing for those that maybe don't know it. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Okay? Sounds wonderful, practical, uh, concrete advice, and yet nobody does it, do they, Matt? <laughs> well, it's because it's darn hard. <laughs> you know, it's... You know, when, when you feel like you have been sinned against, truly, you know, to go and talk to that person one-on-one, -on -one, that's not easy. Uh, but that, that is essential. Jesus knows what he's talking about. And I've seen it time and time again. To gossip about that person, to bear a grudge against that person, boy, that is not the way to go. Go and talk to them directly. 
Um, that that's that's where there's healing, you know, not just resolve conflict, okay, but also reconciliation, where there's you can be restored to each other again. Um, yeah, for sure. So so see, I can understand where it's hard. Because I don't like conflict, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. So that's why it's hard for me to go back to the person who's offended me. But what I find is interesting, I have no problem telling anybody else about it, though. <laughs> yeah, right? that's the I mean, problem. I can, I can tell my friends. I can tell my family. I can tell you. Do you know what so-and-so did? You know. All right, so now, with that thought in mind, I, I, I agree with you. Let's go back to the question, because I think the question actually helps us answer that. Why it's so hard to talk to the person and so easy to tell everybody else about the sin they committed. Yeah. So so it, what was the question again, Matt? What, well, how see, does it start? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, real quick, John, I, you know, yeah. as I were going through Matthew, you know, in the lectionary right now, if, if yeah. we're on the three-year lectionary, and as many of our churches do, and... You know, in, in the go- Matthew's Gospel, you could do a sermon series just on questions, because it's oh. almost every week there's a different question being asked. And when it's the disciples that ask the question, and Peter in particular who asked the question, you just start to cringe, right, John? <laughs> because, like, what is going to come out of this guy's mouth now? And I think this is maybe one of those cringeworthy uh, questions yet again. Uh, so at this time, it's not just Peter, it seems, but the disciples come to Jesus saying, and here's the question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And, you know, the reason you cringe is because I, I'm guessing they probably have an answer in mind already. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And their answer is probably, well, us. <laughs> we're, we're pretty great. <laughs> Jesus is going to say us, right, guys? <laughs> I don't know if we'll mention any of us by name, but it's, it's probably us as a whole, you know. Um, so, so, you know, you just cringe. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They're wondering, you know, hopefully he's going to say us, or, you know, and, and maybe or there, maybe there's a few like Peter, or James, or John, who's like, well, maybe they'll say us. After all, he's working out of his inner circle. Maybe we're the greatest. Um, so here's a cringeworthy question once again. So, so that's it, isn't it, Matt? So what lies behind this is what we would call pride, right? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and, of course, I, I see, I didn't even think about it, pride as a group, but you're right, they're all asking it. Uh, and, and and but I think you got there's a lot of tensions going on too. They're not a bunch of happy campers, a lot of competitiveness. So like you say, well maybe maybe not only will he say us, but he might say me in particular. Yeah. Uh, and, and see to me mm-hmm. that that that's what lies behind. Sure, I'd love to tell other people about how you've sinned, Matt, because then I'm the better guy, aren't I? I am the one who is great in the eyes of God. We know certainly you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah, I'm the center. So, yeah, and I, I think, like you said, they, these guys are—it's uh, a diverse group of disciples. These, there's, there probably is tension. I mean, think about it. You know, Jesus calls a tax collector, but he hmm. also calls a zealot. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, can you imagine the tension that was there? Right? Somebody who's so <laughs> zealous for the people of, you know, the Jews, and then a, a tax collector who kind of sold out to the Romans, right? And then you have all these fishermen on top of that. So, I mean, Jesus is the one who did the calling. He handpicked these people, and it is a group that, boy, they, it was like, you know, boy, a powder keg probably sometimes ready to explode, I would think. But yet these are the very people that, that Jesus calls, and even in their differences, um, they have that, you know, the, the commonality of following Christ. And, and you know what? Now you've scared me. Because that's pretty much how the church is now, isn't yeah, it? Isn't it? Yeah. We, we, we want this church that is just a field of, of daisies where we all look alike. But it ain't that way. 
Now the church is full of all kinds of there. There's yeah. roses, there's daisies, there's some weeds in there, you know, uh, and all kinds of different flowers. Yeah, it's not not, not all alike, and that's yeah, exactly and, how yeah. he designed it. And, and and that's not our that's not up to us either. I mean, it's yeah. the, the the same people, same one who called the disciples is the same one who calls and gathers and lightens the church today. <laughs> you know, uh, no, this is this is God doing it, and He's. Uh, you know, a savior of all nations and all peoples, uh, for sure. And, and, and man, I just had another thought too, a little corrective from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, there's some weeds there, but the problem is we don't know which are the weeds and which are the flowers. That that's the real problem, is it? You can't mm-hmm. tell the difference mm-hmm. between the weeds and, and and the weed. So so anyway, how did how does Jesus straighten them out here? How does he respond to that that cringing question? Who is the greatest? Yeah, he has an object lesson for them, right, John? Okay. So he yeah. he doesn't just. It's uh, I love that you know so often you know Jesus paints these pictures with words, but this time no, I mean he does something physical. So um, yeah, if you want to read on in in verses sure. two and through four, uh, it says, and calling to him Jesus and calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So, so I love that image, unless you turn, uh, you know, because I'm up, I'm, I'm north here in southern Minnesota, and if I want to get to Minneapolis, St. Paul, I can't go to Des Moines. Yeah. <laughs> now, if I want to see you, yeah, I can go through Des Moines, but if I'm heading up north, no, i got to turn around, stop the car, head up head up towards Minneapolis-St. Paul. And, and you know what I'd never thought before as I was reading this? So here's the thing. If, if you're all about who's greatest, you're not even going to get into the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You won't even make it there. No, yeah. no. So so what is it then? What What does have to happen if we're going to be in the kingdom of heaven, period? Yeah, so, I mean, this must have shocked the disciples, right, John? A child, a child is Jesus' example. Unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a shocking, you know, they, they would have never thought a disciple. I mean, maybe, oh, maybe they pull Pharisee in front of the group or a Sadducee or maybe, mm. you know, uh, who knows, uh, you know, a priest. Uh, but a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, you know, maybe we've heard this story before. So it's, it's you know, it, it's not too unfamiliar to us, maybe, right, and our listeners. But, you know, if you put yourselves in the shoes of the disciples, shocking. You know, here's a, you know, picture a preschooler, <laughs> you know, snotty-nosed oh, yeah. preschooler. He's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, you know. Um, they were shocked. Uh, so the, the, the humility, really, too, right, that comes with being a child, um, the trust that comes with being a child, uh, everything that's wrapped up in that um, is, is what Jesus is pointing to. Oh, and I really like your image there, the, the preschooler. You know, think of that little kid who's probably maybe even still pooping his pants. Yeah. And that doesn't seem like the image of greatness to me. Okay. Uh, but but you hit it on the head. What, what makes that child great, and, and it's interesting because children don't realize this because they're sinners too. But, but what makes, they have to rely on somebody else. Yeah. Of course, they want to be big. They want to take care of it themselves. That, that's part of our sinful nature. But in fact, a child has to have someone else do everything for them. And, and that's how we get into the kingdom of heaven. None of us are going to get there by anything we've done. But that's okay. As we talked about last week, Jesus Christ has, has done everything necessary so we can be in the kingdom of heaven. What, how do you deal with this humbles himself, humbles himself, Matt? What does that mean? Yeah, whoever humbles himself like this child. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I would say, you know, uh, just say a, a part of it is probably, you know, really the turning, you know, the, re- the repentance aspect of it, too. You know, um, it takes a lot of humility to admit that you aren't the greatest. It takes a lot of humility to admit, you know, you well, are you know, not Especially perfect. for guys like you and me, Matt. Well, yeah, I know. You know for other saying. people, I can understand. I don't know why that would be a problem. Yeah. Uh, I go don't ahead, know. We, we've got Lisa and Lynn to keep us pretty humble, too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so yeah, the humbleness of that that turning it takes humility to real to, to admit yeah you you aren't the greatest in the kingdom of heaven you know that, that you're the least <laughs> that that we're each sinners in need of I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness um, yeah so I mean I I think that's that's part of it so so I I was blessed to be working with Pastor Boo on Thy Strong Word on uh, last Tuesday and we actually had First Peter five and he he says this again. But he says it a little bit differently because he leaves out the, the uh, reflexive pronoun there. Oh, I impress people right there. This humble, humble himself, that, that pronoun himself. In fact, mm-hmm. he simply mm-hmm. says, be humbled, be humbled. Uh, and I thought, that's the sense of what we're talking about here. Because you can't humble yourself, really, because then you'd just be proud about how humble you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know. But but my experience after seventy years is, that the Lord does humble. He he really does that, right? Isn't that what it says? The Lord disciplines those He loves. Discipline is a is a humbling, uh, and man, every time I've gotten cocky in my life, uh, the Lord has somebody there to to bring me back to reality. In fact, this church I was preaching at last week, Matt, I went to the wrong church. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, we, no! It's it's we the other walking. Trinity Lutheran. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I walked in and said, "Well, I'm here." Like, well, we don't need a preacher. They said <laughs> that would have been a little awkward, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then the other pastor sees you show yeah. up, and, and then um. he said, "Oh, you're probably with the church next door." And that was it. There were two two Lutheran churches, mind you, one right next to each other. And I thought there was an educational building, and I walked in, but no, no, that other one was actually. The, the other church. Oh, so, my yeah, goodness. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that happens to me all the time. And, and, <laughs> and when you get to be 70, you realize that's good. I mean, I don't like looking like a fool. But when you've oh, sure. been a fool enough time, you realize that ah, that's okay. That's okay. Because I know the one thing that is a constant, and that is my Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so so what, anything else about these opening verses, Matt, you want to share? Uh, no, no, I think uh, I think that about covers it, John. Like you know, um, you know, I know in the the verses that follow. I mean, they sound like they're they're some of the most you know maybe uh, uh, boy law sounding, terrifying verses in the Bible. And Jesus doesn't sound very compassionate at all. But you share with me off the air. You had some insights about how no that this is this can be seen as good news, and there is you know some gospel here for us. So, so this is the very text I've, I've preached at, at the wrong church. Okay. Or, or, well, I, I might have, except yes. somebody set me straight. Uh, um, and, and you're right, because, uh, man, put a millstone around your neck and throw you in the depths of the sea. Like you see, not, don't see much compassion there. Until you remember that you're a little one. You are the child. That's what you are. And then all of a sudden, when you read these verses, you realize, oh, wow. That's kind of cool to know that this is what God's going to do for me as a little one. So you want to read verses 5 and 6 there? 
Yeah, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And you almost wonder if the child was still standing there, you know, as Jesus is saying this. Uh, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. So, so, so don't mess with me, buddy, because <laughs> yeah. I'm a little one, but I'm a little one of Jesus Christ. And you come messing with me, sin, death, and the devil, the world, whatever it is, you're going to get your, your millstone tied around your neck and be thrown to the depths of the sea. See, that's a wonderful, wonderful promise uh, if, if, you, if you're a little one. Uh, now, Matt, I'm going to be honest with you. These next verses, I didn't really deal with. These verses 7 through 9, that, do, do you, do you want to... Do you want to read them or skip them or what would you like to do? Well, sure. Well, yeah, we well, can read them. We, read them. Let's talk about them. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, 7 through 9 says, Jesus uh, keeps going. And, you know, some more kind of violent sounding yeah. verses. Here we go. A woe to the world for temptation to sin. Uh, for it is necessary that temptations come. But woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand causes or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. So, now, now Matt, honestly, like I said, I just skipped over that. (laughs) (laughs) You're the guest preacher. You don't have to deal with that, right? Well, like you said, you said gave me permission at the beginning. They can't deal with everything. No, I don't blame you. But but now it just says you and I are just doing this uh, together. Is there any gospel in that at all? You think, or is that is that just law? Uh, just and some pretty hard uh, the, the law the way it should be. The law should always be harsh. You should never be comfortable yeah. with the law. Yeah, well, I think the, the the one law is is one word of law at least. I mean, boy, it relates to the earlier verses. You know, you know, yeah. woe to those who cause someone to sin. One of those little ones, right? So don't lead someone into temptation, into sin. Same here. Um, you know, woe to the one by whom temptation comes. So we do not lead our brother into temptation. You know, as we pray the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. Maybe we could also add, you know, allow me not to lead others into temptation, right? Um, because Jesus really condemns that in, in these sections of verses. But then, yeah, so, I think just the, you know, if we're looking for, you know, some bright spot here in these verses yeah, you know yeah. just simply you know definitely the seriousness of sin boy we, that comes through loud and clear but also just the um the uh, the the beauty the value the the preciousness of of the kingdom of god and, and to be with the lord oh my goodness you know um i i think of romans 8 you know the the suffering that that we have on this earth isn't even worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed to us so um you know the the you know, to make every effort to to, to curb sin, to to repent of sin, uh, so that um, we might be able to um, you know to have that eternal life that Jesus talks about here. So I think it's interesting because that it, it's, those are some tough verses. Uh, although I, I agree with you, because we have these same things in Matthew five about you know cutting off the hand and plucking out the eye. Mm-hmm, although mm-hmm. you're right, the, the, the emphasis is different there. I think it's about us sinning. Here it is, as you said, it's about us causing other people to sin. Uh, but I think it's interesting that it's followed by probably one of the most beautiful parables that you find anywhere in the scripture. Uh, 
verses 10 through 14. I'll, I'll read those and then you can comment. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Again, what a great, <laughs> wonderful promise for those who are little ones that we actually do have guardian angels and not just any angels, but the personal angels of our Father who is in heaven. But anyway, what, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm beautiful, right? I mean, you, yeah. you see this, the, the heart that, uh, that the Lord has for us, for his people. Um, you know, I think, too, you know, when we, you know, God, you know, the, the 14 is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. You know, just how beautiful that is that, you know, that our Father in heaven really does know each and every one of us. And he's not indifferent toward us, um, whether we, we believe or not, whether we go to heaven or hell or not, um, whether we live or die or not. No, he, he doesn't want anyone to perish. You know, and I, boy, how, how beautiful that God Almighty, uh, who is over all things, right, has that care for each and every one of us. Uh, beautiful. And, and I never thought about it before, but it probably is, is it's right. So, so the, the, the verse is about cutting off the hand and plucking out the eye is a reminder that, yeah, you and I really, we are sinful, and there's nothing that in our body we can really keep. Uh, but but here's the promise: even even though we can be sinful people, even though we do wander away, the love of the Lord doesn't change. He's going to come and He's going to look for us. And don't you love that business about that that one of these? It's not His will, not His will, that one of these little ones should perish, um, because we are going to die, Matt. <laughs> we yeah. are going to die. We talked about that last week, but we're not going to perish. We're not going to perish. Uh, we will all die because we all need to be humbled. Isn't that what? That's how he started. We need to be humbled. And that's the ultimate humbling of God when we die. But we're not going to perish. We're going to rise just like our brother Jesus rose. We will live eternally just like Jesus did. Um, and, and then, see, then I think we can go back to all this practical stuff. And, and even though we won't do it perfectly, at least maybe we can start to do it. Uh, because now we realize we're just little ones. We're just sinners. Your brother sins against you. Why is that such a surprise? We we sin, don't we? So now what we need to do is we just need to go back and, and talk to him and keep it private, keep it secret. Um, any Anything you want to point out particularly about these final bits of practical advice? I would suggest all of our readers take the time to listen and read verses 15 through 20, but, but read them again as little ones, as people that are sinners, as people who have been humbled and yet are so beloved by God. And uh, he knows, know for sure, he doesn't want us to perish. But any, any thought about those practical advice, Matt? Yeah, in the, the, uh, the verses that follow, John, you mean? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Just again, you know, when when someone sins against us, I mean, which is going to happen. <laughs> okay. So yeah. um, it's going to happen, folks. Right. So what do we do? And Jesus lays out for us in very practical ways what to do um, to go to, to talk to them alone. Right. One on one. Uh, and if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. Hey, you know, there you go. Uh, but if not, then Jesus lays out. Yeah. What do we do next? And the whole goal is um, whether 
whether it happens quickly or maybe takes a little while, and maybe even the work of the church, is to be reconciled. And again, that the care that God has for each one of us, to be restored to him and to be restored to one another. And we'll maybe talk about this more next week on Wrestling with the Muscles. 